Well, hello. Good to be with you and uh, good to see you. I think there's a fair bit of sickness around too. I've actually heard from various people, so it's good to have you with us. I've got a couple of things just before we start. The first one is uh, to let you know that tomorrow night, so Monday night, tomorrow night, is our Thanksgiving and annual general meeting. And this is a hoot. That's good. It is, a, it is a wonderful night. So if you've got a girl, you want a date night, tomorrow night's it. Uh, come along. And uh, we get to uh, share some of what God's done in the last 12 months. And uh, it really is very encouraging. Uh, we'll, hear some, um, we'll hear some interviews with a bunch of blokes and girls about what's going on uh, in their lives as well. Uh, and we'll do some business. And this is a chance for you to see the kind of under the bonnet, how church works, and that, that is something special. So make sure you're part of that too. Uh, get along. Tomorrow night it's for night church people and we also invite morning to come, but it's for you guys. So there's the first thing. Second one is um, we are behind budget financially and to draw that to your attention, encourage you to think about ways that you can... I mean, you guys are responding really... It's been a wonderful couple of years actually and so lots to be encouraged thereby. But if you can keep finding ways to support financially the work that's happening, hugely. I mean, it all only happens because we're able to together fund the work. So pray that you do that too. How about I pray now? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for what you're doing amongst us. Uh, It's a great blessing to be used by you, uh, frail and broken that we are. Uh, We thank you that you are working through us to see people converted, people established in the faith, people deepened in their walk. We thank you so much for these things, but pray for much more and pray please that you would um, help us uh, give to the work in a way that actually furthers the cause. Help us learn to be sacrificial and generous. Uh, You love a generous giver, a cheerful giver. We pray that you might help us be that. And we pray for our time in the Word, that please you would use it to transform and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk to you about freedom. And I want to talk to you about freedom because the Bible, uh, Jesus talks about freedom. But to get started on that, I want you talking with each other actually and thinking about this a little bit yourselves. What I want you to do in just a moment, I want you to turn to the person next to you, two or three people. uh, You know, sometimes one-on-one is just too intense, right? But uh, let's do the two or three if that helps, unless it's the girl and you just want to hang out and chat. But um, So um, what I want you to do is talk to the person next to you or the two or three people and just wrestle with this question for a moment. Um, What are people around us looking for when they're looking for freedom? What is it they're after when they want to have the experience of being free? What is it they're after? Does that make sense as a question? Go for it. Introduce yourself, say hi, swap phone numbers, do what you've got to do. Okay, that'll do. Let's uh, pull it back together. So give us your thoughts. Uh, give us your thoughts. What, do you, what, do you, what are friends around you, people around you, looking for when they're searching for freedom? What's the thing they're after? What are they, what are they wanting? What does freedom mean for them? Give us your thoughts. They want to be a recommendation of how they 
Sorry, it sounded really, really good, but tell me again what it was. Yeah, 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 interesting. Yeah, good. Um, they're looking for, they're, that's rich and complex. They're, they're looking for an experience of life where rules aren't rules, but are just recommendations. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, nice. I think that's helpful. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's right. Um, I, I don't take that as a law. I just take it as a suggestion and I'll work out what I do with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough money to be able to make the choices I want to make and go where I want to go and do what I want to do. Yeah. If only the government would let me. But yeah. A lack of responsibility or forgiveness, so they have less Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freedom means not being having being responsible for anything. That's it. Yeah, it's interesting. So I want to be a fifteen year old for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Or an eight year old. Yeah. Peace of mind, being comfortable with your however you want to feel. Yeah. So so uh, freedom can mean um, not being uh, impacted with guilt, these kinds of things, fr- free to feel appropriately and so on, yeah? Other thoughts? Sense of self, yeah, interesting, interesting. We'll come back to that, it's good, it's good. <laughs> um, just teasing. I have, over the years, when I've used microphones to speak and someone doesn't speak loudly, I find myself going like this, which is, <laughs> which is all the wrong thing, isn't it? But anyway, there you go. Um, you know, here's the deal. Uh, freedom is something that everybody agrees is a good thing. Everyone wants to be free. Everyone's pursuing freedom. Everyone wants freedom. Um, we agree on that. In fact, our national anthem, uh, we sing about being young and Free. Uh, we want their whole. That's the American national anthems talk about freedom. Freedom is a very precious thing we want to pursue. But the problem is when you get to what actually is it, we all kinds of have different answers. And that was just a little bit of an experiment to see what are the different thoughts rolling around. Now I want to give you a quick uh, little bit of history uh, and make a suggestion. You can disagree with me on this. this is not Bible. This is just my um, flawed insights. But my sense is over history. Um, We have very largely thought in mainstream life that freedom is pretty much about making sure there's no one over us telling us what to do. That I'm free from constraint outside of me. That there's there's no power, there's no force that's making me do things I can choose, you see. I'm free from slavery, free from uh, oppression, free from force, free. I think that's pretty much largely what people have thought about freedom for most of history. The last 60, 70 years, uh, and this is very vague but broad terms, since the 60s kind of deal, you know, that thing that happened in history, um, since the 1960s, there's been a sense of freedom that's not just freedom from uh, outside people telling me what to do, but freedom to be who I am. So the kind of, there was a period... uh, um, just before you know my growing up, because uh, I'm not that old, but before my growing up, there was a period where everyone was all about finding out who you are. And that sort of was my life in the 80s and 90s and so on, was finding out who you are. Because when you find out who you really are, then you pursue, the aim is to pursue being free to be who you are. Now, I think that's still around today. 
So many people uh, with the whole gender issue, finding out what gender you actually are, what deeply built into your system is kind of integrated into actually I am this, finding it out, discovering who you are, and then being free to be who you are. Now, that's been the last sort of 40, 50, 60 years, a different kind of freedom. But in the last 10 or 15 years, it's only been recent times, there's a thing emerging that's another nuance on that idea of freedom. It's the freedom to be whoever I want to be. So a lot of history has just been freedom from outside forces against me. Then it became freedom to be who I am, have to discover who I am. But in recent times, there's been a mood that's suggesting you can be whoever you want to be. There's no actually innate thing about who you are. Your gender can be fluid. You, you can choose whichever... And you can choose one day, another day to be, and, and that's part of actually a foundation for a thing called queer theory, which you may have heard of, and it's actually rolling around the place. But what's interesting is there's different conceptions of freedom, what freedom looks like, how to experience it and how to pursue it. Um, it this is a massively important topic, the idea of freedom. We want it but we have different concepts about what it is and how to get there. It's a powerfully good thing to be free. And here's the deal tonight. Jesus speaks on this topic. Jesus, the great I am. Jesus, the one who takes onto himself, at the end of John chapter 8, the reading we had, who takes onto himself the very name of God from Exodus chapter 3 and demonstrates that... Before Abraham was, who was back in 1800 BC, before he was even in existing, Jesus says, I existed. I was before him. He longed to see my day. I've been around before. I am the greater. I'm God. This is one of those powerful chapter 8 testimonies to the divinity of Jesus, who was with God in the beginning and was God in the beginning and has been made flesh amongst us. Well, the great I am, God himself amongst us, teaches on the topic of freedom. It's there in chapter 8, verse 31. Grab your Bible, look at it. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and here it is, the truth will set you free. Freedom. He's talking about freedom. He does it again in verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus teaches on the topic of freedom and so we're going to dig into that together tonight. What is freedom, how to get it, what's true freedom and so on. And here's the little warning for us tonight is what he says, what Jesus says about freedom, just a warning, uh, trigger warning if you like. The warning for us tonight is that what Jesus teaches about freedom is profoundly, subtly, profoundly different from almost all modern thinking on freedom. What he says is almost at odds with everything you've received about freedom in the world around us. Now, I give you that warning as a heads up so that as we come into this together, um, you don't just assume that what you think is what Jesus says because you know that what you think is right and so he must agree with you. No, 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 what I'm alerting you to do is look carefully at what Jesus says because what he says will actually challenge the way we think and let him do that for us tonight. He is the great I am. He is the one who brings the truth. So let's consider Jesus' words carefully here, verse 31, 32. What I want to suggest to you is that there are, there are two conditions, perhaps three, for finding true freedom. Two things, three things necessary to find true freedom. I say three because verse 36 tells us it's the Son 
who sets us free. So the condition for freedom is that the Son sets you free. But in verse 31, 32, he gives two conditions. And follow this with me. Look at verse 32. Start with verse 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's the first condition for freedom? In verse 32, what's the first condition for freedom? What do you need to be free? Verse 32. Truth. <laughs> you need the truth. Yeah? He says it twice, the words twice. That actually tells you something. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So one of the conditions for freedom, true freedom, is that you know the truth, you see. But you look at verse 31 and what do you need to have happen to find the truth? Look at the relationship between 31 and 32. Do some comprehension, wrestle with the text. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, so the word if, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. They're a counterfeit disciples who just hang around with me. But the true disciple, the true person who is truly under my rule, who has is, who is brought themselves under me to be a disciple of mine, is the one who holds to my teaching. But look at the relationship between holding to his teaching and freedom. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. If you want to know the truth, the truth that will set you free, you need to be a disciple of Jesus. You need to hold to his teaching. You need to really be his disciple because it's then that you will know the truth and it's that truth that will set you free. You won't find freedom without, get this, you won't get freedom, true freedom, unless you come under the authority of Jesus. Isn't that weird? I thought the whole idea of freedom was to not be under anyone. Isn't the whole idea of freedom that I have no one over me? Isn't the whole idea of freedom that I am able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, without anyone telling me? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 the path to freedom is actually coming in under him to have him rule you and control you and constrain you and be his disciple and hold to his teachings what do you see how it's completely counter to the way we have thought about freedom it's it's a great oddity we tend to think of freedom in very superficial ways we think of freedom in terms of freedom from things and as long as there's no one outside of me ruling and controlling me we think we're free but Jesus says, wrong, wrong. Listen to him, the great I am. And this is exactly the discussion that follows. Look at verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall then be set free? So here's a group of listeners who hear Jesus say, if you want to be free, you need to become my disciples, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he says, whoa, they say, whoa, whoa, are you saying we're not free? Are you suggesting we're not free and need to be freed by you? He says, we've never been slaves of anybody. How can you say that we need to be set free? Now, that is an interesting statement that they've made, but they're thinking in terms of a superficial kind of freedom, freedom from outside oppressive powers over them. And the interesting thing is that their, their claim that they've never been slaves of anybody is wrong. It's incredible. If you know the history of Israel, this group of people, they've been enslaved by one world power after another world power pretty much constantly from about the 7th century BC. 
and they're now under the power of Rome. They're not a self-determining nation. They're actually they're an occupied place. And so, and so we've never been slaves of anybody. What? What are you talking about? Your nation's been in exile, you've been chained, you've been killed, you've been... What's going on here? What's going on here is the power of humans for self-deception. The power of humans to deceive themselves. We have a great capacity to lie to ourselves. And we do it for all kinds of reasons. We do it partly for self-protection. We do it partly for self-respect. We do it partly because we don't want to believe that we're that person that we hate and so we pretend that we're not and we're very good at getting ourselves into that place. Uh, You know, there's a popular um, ethic around that goes like this, that uh, um, as long as you don't hurt anybody, you can do what you like. So, you know... To do what's good is to do anything you like as long as you don't hurt anyone. But if you hurt someone, that makes what you're doing bad. You've heard that kind of ethic, haven't you? That's typically how things work. But here's the deal. That's led many people to pursue drugs. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just smoking. I'm just shooting up. I'm just doing... I'm taking drugs. I'm not hurting anybody. But that is a massive self-deception which won't be revealed for what it is for 5, 10, 15 years because you are deeply harming yourself, you're deeply betraying and hurting your family and friends, you're actually destroying your ability to relate well to others, it is hurting all kinds of people. But we have a great capacity to choose what we want to do, I want to do this and I'll find a way that what I want to do is not hurting anyone and pretend it's not when it actually is. Promiscuity, sexual promiscuity, slipping around... We're both consenting, we're both adults, we're not hurting anybody. It's no one's business what we do because we're not hurting anybody. Yes, you are. You've just deceived yourself into thinking you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting the other person, you're not hurting the cultural society within which you're in, you're not hurting the other partner of a person who might actually end up sexually involved with this person as well. We have a great capacity to fool ourselves and deceive ourselves and pretend we're not doing things that we actually are doing. You just won't see the reality of that hurt for years to come. Humans have a great capacity for deceit. There was a survey of men many years ago, um, and I might have shared this with you, but it's so good it's worth sharing again. They asked a great crowd of men to rank themselves in order of um, uh, athletic ability. And 100% of men put themselves within the top 15% of athletic ability. (laughs) What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Um, well, you know, we, of course, here would be within the top 15%, but someone's got to be down lower, haven't they? But men have a great capacity to... Uh, it's interesting, I think it was Jez who reminded me of this, that um, uh, when women look in the mirror, they tend to kind of see all the problems and they kind of go, oh, no. When look, men look in the mirror, they go, yeah, it looks pretty good. <laughs> Walk out the door. We have a great capacity to fool ourselves and lie to ourselves. Um, friends, the truth... The truth sets you free. The truth sets you free at the very least by helping you appreciate the truth of the matter is you need to be set free. You see, Abraham's, these, these Jewish leaders 
We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? They have lied to themselves about their life being free and so they're not at all interested in finding out how to be truly free because they've convinced themselves they are free. Self-deceit. And what follows is a whole discussion around Jesus helping them see they're not truly free. Let me take you through this. Verse 34, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. He doesn't argue the toss about their history, about whether they really have been enslaved by other powers and so on. He doesn't go there. He just says, that is irrelevant. That's not the slavery I'm talking about. That's not the real slavery you need to be freed from. The real issue is inside you. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. There it is, the truth issue, the truth, the deeper issue. You may not be literally in chains, he says, and so you think yourself free, but all the time beneath that apparent freedom is a deeper slavery, the true and most profound and horrific slavery, the slavery to sin. Now, what is that? What is slavery to sin? Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Well, Jesus is identifying a force at work in every human life where sin is a kind of a power in our lives. Sin, what's sin? Sin is rebellion against God, disobedience to God, which plays out in our failing to do what God would have us do in our relationships horizontally. So it's first and foremost a vertical thing where I throw off the authority of God, I rebel against God, and that then plays out in living a life without regard to what God would have me. So disobeying God in my horizontal relationships. What God wants for us is healthy, wholesome integrity of life where we are people of love, people of respect, grace, courage, people of integrity, truth and honesty, sacrifice, generosity like Jesus. Wholesome, sound, solid, deep. God made us for love, to love others and give ourselves for others. He made us for the truth, to love what's true, to speak what's true, to hear what's true. And he made us for himself, to love him and serve him and know him. And sin? Sin is rebellion against God which corrupts and pollutes our ability to love others, to seek the good of others, to love the truth. It distorts every faculty of the human heart, our mind, our ability to think, our affections, the way we feel appropriately and inappropriately about things, our conscience, it affects our will our ability to do what we know we should. Sin perverts everything so that we, instead of loving, self-love, self-serve. Instead of the truth, we tell ourselves lies and live in deceit and pretend it's not true when it is. Instead of Jesus and him, we reject him. The deepest thing about sin is rebellion against God, which plays out in all the other contexts of our life. All that God has made us for is twisted in the human heart. We are like, and here's the best illustration I can think of, we are like shopping trolleys. 
Now, I'm just conscious as I talk to you, how many of you actually have used a shopping trolley? <laughs> uh, many of you work at Coles or Williams, I guess, but um, the, um, why else would you? But it, it, um, with a shopping trolley, you know, you get that shopping trolley that's got the bung wheel at the front and uh, as you push it along, it just keeps dragging to the right. So as you're going down the aisle, it just keeps smashing into the dry goods or it smashes into the pastors or it smashes into the girl who's walking past or whatever. It, and it just has this constant... And you've got to fight it to keep it straight. You've got to fight it to keep it straight. Well, here's what sin is like. Sin is like a broken... Your, your life is like a broken trolley that has this bent towards selfishness, that has a bent towards rejection of God, doing what I want living for myself, denying the truth. It has a bent towards that. And at great effort, I can work to keep my trolley straight and love other people for a time until it slides into selfishness again. And here's the problem for us. The problem is that uh, when a fire hits, a flood hits, a pandemic hits, in the early stages of those things, humans go through what's called a hero phase in devastation. They go through a hero phase where they're able to marshal all their energies to love other people and be nice and gracious to other people for a short time. And you'll get all over the news how wonderful humans are, how great the human spirit is. Look how generous and extraordinary. But you know what happens within a month? The fire's gone, the flood's gone, the pandemic's over and humans spring back into selfishness and they backbite and they fight each other and there's jealousies and there's hostilities and it's all back again. There is the nature of humankind. We're like a shopping trolley that's bent towards sin and anyone who sins, Jesus says, evidences that the force of sin is at work in their life to make them a sinner. And so you are enslaved by sin. Sin is a power over us, in us. The fact that we sin, reject God and live for ourselves shows that we are enslaved, not to a power outside of us, but to a power within us, to our very nature. Now this is so true that it's almost ridiculous to have to prove it. But... but the history of humankind proves this again and again and again. It's only possible to pretend this is not true by living in a kind of naive romanticism where you don't notice the evil. But it is so true, it's almost so obvious. Let, let me... Um, um, who has been amongst friends, a friendship circle who have only ever been good to you. They've never ignored you, they've never forgotten you, they've never been thoughtless towards you, they've never gossiped. Who has been in a group where that's never happened to you? Every one of us are the victim of people who are thoughtless, gossipers, abusive, aggressive. That's what school life, do you remember school life? School life was a jungle. It was Jurassic Park in that place, wasn't it? Because there's a bunch of kids who are just giving full rein to their trolley that just keeps running into each other, yeah? It, um, you, you, as you grow up, um, you, I, I, some of you may have had this, I certainly had this experience. Um, I, I grew up saying to myself, I'm never going to do what my parents did when I have kids. 
Now, I've got great parents. This is not a critique of my parents particularly. But, um, you know, I remember saying, I'm never going to say that to a kid when I have a kid. But you know what? Uh, I've had a bunch of kids. And I found myself with a bunch of kids. um, As they're growing up, something happens. And I start, words start coming out of my mouth. And halfway as they're out of my mouth, I find myself going, has my dad just inhabited my body? (laughs) I've been taken over by him. I find myself doing exactly what I said I would never do. Has any parent amongst us had that experience? There are a few around. You, you wait. It'll happen to you. Right? You resolve not to do something. You resolve to never... Let me pick an easy one. I'm very sorry about this, but pornography. You resolve to never do it again. But there you are again. You know, 80 to 90% of men are addicted. 20% of women are addicted. And, and we, we, we wished we didn't. We chose, we decide we won't. And we fight, but the trolley, bang. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We find ourselves doing this in some, we're addicted to sin. It is, you can teach humans to be better, but they will keep sliding into it. It is part and parcel of who we are. And Jesus says, we are in captivity. We are enslaved, not to an external power over us, though there is that there as well, but to our own inner nature. We want freedom. We long for it. We think we might find it by simply throwing off external powers outside of us. And all we end up with is a totally superficial kind of freedom because the person who is truly enslaved is within us and we take that wherever we go. Do you know, um, more and more you'll find uh, the, the Scriptures have this great wisdom at whatever point you condemn another, you'll condemn yourself, says Paul in the book of Romans. Because at whatever point you say someone else is wrong, you will find... Your, well, whenever you point at someone else, you've got three fingers pointed back at yourself. You do the very same things. Can I just make a quick comment about Hillsong? You, um, you may know my opinions and views about Hillsong over the years, my great concerns and so on. But what we're seeing in its deconstruction and the um, situation of the senior leadership, we must never gloat. Because there, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> what is happening there is human nature. It's not a particular evil of them. We are all prone. We are all susceptible. Be very generous in your engagement in these things. There are women who are victims and we need to, of course, bring appropriate justice and judgment, what have you, but we do that with great care as those aware of their own frailty. Never gloat over the downfall of others. It's a dreadful thing because we are all prone. We all have a broken trolley. You know, all of this matters deeply. It matters deeply to get hold of it. Look, I'll tell you why. Verse 35, look what Jesus says there. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. What's he saying here? He's saying to these leaders who thought they were in with God, in relationship with God, in the family of God, he says, no, 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 slaves are not in the family. If you want to be in the family, you've got to be a child. Anyone who's enslaved to sin cannot be in the family. This matters deeply. If you are enslaved and don't know the experience of freedom, true freedom, you cannot be in the family of God because only free children can be there. Wow. Which of us then can be in? Which of us is without enslavement to sin? 
The picture that Jesus paints here is a beautiful, wholesome one of the family of God gathered around the dinner table where the children, the sons and daughters of his, are welcomed in with hugs and intimacy, where the meal is served and there's laughing and there's joy and there's gladness forever. And he says, that's only for the son, that's only for the daughter, not for the slave. And you men, you leaders, you're slaves. Are you tonight? True freedom. Have you got it? What Jesus is doing here is constantly bringing a dose of the truth because it's the truth that sets you free. Jesus goes on fully brutal at them. Look at verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, which means they think they're in. Um, Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence as the great I am. And you are doing what you've heard from your father. And they have this discussion about our father's father, Abraham. And Jesus says, no, if your father was father Abraham, you'd embrace me, you'd receive me, because he looked forward to my day and was waiting for it to come. In fact, verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil. Wow. What would it look like to meet someone who was a son of Satan? What would it look like to meet someone who was a son of Satan? I tend to think if you met someone who was a son of Satan, there'd be kind of obvious signs to it. They'd be, they'd wear all black. Sorry, if you do. They'd wear all black. They'd have black nail polish. They'd have lots of tats. And they'd meet at midnight in the bush and rip off the heads of kittens and stuff like that, right? Doesn't that kind of, if you're a son of Satan, you feel like it'd be this kind of evil, malicious, oppressive. Jesus says, no, that's not the case. You can wear black. (laughs) That doesn't make you a son of Satan. What he says makes you a son of Satan is, look with me further. You belong to your father, verse 44, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. You see what Jesus is saying? The evidence that you're a son of Satan is that you talk and think like Satan, which is full of deceit. You won't listen to the truth. You don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to hear truths that don't fit with the way you've conceived life. That makes you a son of Satan because his language is lying. The evidence of God's work in, the, in a place in the world is that the truth comes in and opens up and brings light and so freedom. Powerful. This is powerful and profound. You want freedom? We all want to be free. But freedom from external authorities is no true freedom. In fact, it hides a deeper slavery, says Jesus, a slavery to sin that we carry with each of us. We find this almost impossible to believe of ourselves outside of Christ. We are practised in the deceit of telling ourselves we are not enslaved. Our society is practised in its deceit of telling each other that we're not enslaved. We're the truly free ones. The Christians, they're the ones oppressed. All the rules they have to follow. We're the free ones. They're the ones who are oppressed because they've got all those morals that are dreadfully constraining. Whereas we're free to do whatever we want to do. We're the truly free ones. 
And Jesus says, you are, you are intent on deceiving yourselves and telling yourselves and convincing yourselves that black is white and white is black. Good is evil and evil is good. And it's the work of Satan amongst us than one of the father of lies. Jesus' diagnosis of the human heart, human society and religious society is profoundly insightful. You know, I, um, Kathy, my wife, was out last night for a couple of hours and so I was stuck uh, at home with no one to entertain me. And <laughs> so I turned on Netflix and I, um, I stumbled onto this new show called Byron B or Byron By or Byron Bay or whatever it is. Has anyone seen Byron, this new show that's come out? It's what it is. It's a, it's a Netflix reality show about a group of friends in Byron Bay um, a bunch, of, a number of whom have lived in Byron Bay all their life, and they're they're young, they're attractive, they're hippie, and they're they're into they're into equality, they're into healing, they're they're into acceptance and love, they're into peace and musical therapy that heals and brings wholeness to who you are. They're into all of this super spiritual stuff. And it's, it, all of that paints a beautiful picture, yes? Who wouldn't want to be in a group of people who are into acceptance and love and healing and wholesome um, uh, respect? Who wouldn't want to be in a group of friends like that? Well, I only watched the first episode so far. And I've got to tell you, what I saw amongst that group of friends was bitterness, backbiting, jealousy, betrayals, sexual impurity that hurts each other. It was just an extraordinary insight into sin and the problem's not bar and bay the problem's a human problem wherever you put humans who are enslaved to sin which is every one of us whatever culture whatever situation middle class central coast working class central coast bar and bay hippie wherever you go it'll be full of people who are enslaved to sin who want to be one thing and are another thing all the time Everyone who claims to be truly free is only thinking of freedom from and is instead a seething hotbed of enslavement to themselves. That is all of us outside of Christ. We have a trolley that just keeps driving towards selfishness. Which therefore means this, friends. If you think freedom is about being free to be who you are, and Jesus' diagnosis of the human heart is right, that who we actually are is enslaved to sin, what happens when you stop trying to keep the trolley straight and let it go to be what it is? Where will it go? Towards selfishness. If we create a culture where true freedom is about being who you are, whoever that is, we will unleash a world of people who become more and more consumed with selfishness because we've unleashed the trolley to go wherever it wants to go without anyone judging it, without anyone critiquing it, without anyone calling. And so the pursuit of being who you want to be, the who you are, will just build a society of narcissists consumed with self. Do you see the great problem? Authenticity. The whole thing about being authentically who you are, being the person who can relate to others however I want to be, how I feel to be, it just creates selfishness because that's who we are. 
the answer? It's counterintuitive. It's a very strange answer. The answer is knowing the truth and the answer is coming under the constraint of Jesus. The way to true freedom, to deal with the inner slavery that we have, is to come to Jesus. Because verse 36, only he can set us free. And he sets us free by his death and his resurrection and the gift of the Spirit. He's the one who can set us free. And as you come to him and come under his lordship, he sets you free to know the truth which sets you free. It's this profound transformation of life where true freedom is found. It's an extraordinary gift that the Lord God gives us. Um, We find that very difficult to believe because we have basically embraced a lie that freedom is found without constraint. But Jesus says, no. It's only when you take on Jesus who rules your trolley and constrains you to live the life, and here it is, To live the life you were made to live. Freedom's not freedom from constraint. Freedom's not freedom to be who you are. Freedom's not freedom to be who you want to be. Freedom is to be who you were made to be. Freedom is to be who you were made to be. And who you were made to be is under the Lordship of Christ, constrained and ruled by Him, knowing the truth, which helps you understand who you are and the truth about yourself so that you can be freed by that truth. Do you see the power of this? The picture that's helpful here is the train. When is the train, you know, the train with train wheels and so on, when is the train truly free? Is a train truly free when it's free to go wherever it likes? No. A train is truly free when it's free to go on the track that it was made to go on, constrained by the track that it was made to go on, then it's truly free and it's able to run hard. This is what Jesus is teaching us. Men and women, humans, were made to live under the constraint of a good and gracious God, ruled by him, freed by him through the work of Jesus' death and resurrection of the gift of the Spirit. And you are only truly free when you are freed to be who you were made to be. Disciples of Christ, knowing the truth and living the truth. I want to urge you tonight to wake up. To wake up to the lies that we're being fed. The deceit that we're being fed. Not be fooled by the crowd around us the way they talk, but go to Jesus and hear what he has to say. We were made to live under constraint. And, you know, the great gift of God is that one day he'll return and free us from the pain that we experience when we live under constraint. When we live under the Lordship of Christ, part of us knows it's good, but part of it's hard. Well, the return of Christ will be such that that body of death that makes it difficult to live under the constraint, that'll be gone. And we will only love what is good. We will love the constraints of Jesus. We will rejoice to obey him. And we will never sin again and be finally the glorious human son and daughter that God made us to be into eternity forever. Do you know this freedom? 
How do you find it? You come to Jesus. He sets you free to know the truth and live under his lordship. Let's pray that that's the case amongst us. Heavenly Father, we do ask, please, that you might let us be people, cause us to be people who have come to Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight who's not yet done that, I pray, please, that you would cause them to cry out, throw themselves on the mercy of Jesus, that he might set them free tonight, that he might apply his death and resurrection to enable them to escape from the penalty and the power of sin. Pray for those of us who have done that, who have come under the Lordship of Christ. Please give us wisdom to know the truth, the discerning truth that helps us make sense of the foolish lies around us, that, Father, we would see with great insight and clarity the truth about human nature, uh, that we would be wise. We'd appreciate that true freedom is only found in coming under the constraints of the Lordship of Christ through the death and resurrection that he has paid for us. Pray that we'd find great joy in that, in Jesus' name. Amen.